This is a Freedom Church sermon and we are so glad you're listening or watching. Please do check out our website, myfreedom.church, for more information about us, more media and other resources. It's also a good day because it's, this is a short message. Although I have been known to say that in the past. And it's not stayed short, but I'm going to try and stay on script this morning. I want to this morning challenge the skeptic that may be amongst us this morning, or maybe even the doubts that might come into a believer's mind. And and, and I want to encourage you with what I'm about to share, because I believe the story of Easter provides... By the way, you can say yes and amen at any point. Okay. Well, not at any point, because that would not make any sense but at the relative points to when you agree with something. The story of Easter provides hope to the hopeless and light to those living in darkness. That's a good point. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. There we go. Yes and amen. How do we know, though? But how do we know, though, that it's historically accurate to believe in the resurrection of Jesus? How do you know, how do we know that it's not all made up? How do we know that it's not all made up, just one elaborate sham? Well, this is a story that, that will help us this morning. So if you've got your Bibles with you, which you all have, haven't you? Because you come to church with your Bible or your smartphone, your smart device. Spark up your Bibles, open up your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15 and I'm going to read a massive chunk because I think it's good to read Scripture together, don't you? Good. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation, which is my translation of the moment, the trendy translation. You may have a different translation. Try and follow along the best you can. If you've got a smart device, just scroll down to the Passion Translation and boom, there you are. So let me read and you follow along. Dear friends, that's a good start, isn't it? Dear friends, you are my friends too. You're all my friends. You're my family and you're my friends. Dear friends, let me give you clearly the heart of the gospel that I've preached to you. The good news that you have heartily received and on which you stand. For it is through the revelation of the gospel that you are being saved. If you fasten your life firmly to the message I've taught you, unless you have believed in vain, For I have shared with you what I have received, and what is of utmost importance, the Messiah died for our sins, fulfilling the prophecies of the Scriptures. He was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead after three days, as foretold in the Scriptures. And then he appeared to Peter, the rock, and to the twelve apostles. And he also appeared to more than 500 of his followers at the same time, most of whom are still alive as I write this, though a few have passed away. And then he appeared to Jacob, that's James, and to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared in front of me, like one born prematurely, ripped from the womb. Yes, I am the most insignificant of all the apostles. Unworthy even to be called an apostle, because I hunted down believers 
and I persecuted the church. And if you don't know who we're talking about here, we're talking about a guy called Paul who was once called Saul and he's writing to the Corinthian church. And he used to hunt down believers and persecute God's church. He goes on to say, but God's amazing grace has made me who I am. And it is his grace to me uh, that was not fruitless. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest, yet not in my own strength, but God's. For his empowering grace is poured out upon me. So this is what we all have taught you. Whether it was through me or someone else, you have now believed the gospel. The message we preach is Christ who has been raised from the dead. So how could any of you possibly say there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no such thing as a resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, all of our preaching has been for nothing and your faith is useless. Moreover, If the dead have not been raised, that would mean that we are false witnesses who are misrepresenting God. And that would mean that we have preached a lie, stating that God raised him from the dead, if in reality he didn't. If the dead aren't raised up, then that would mean that Christ has not been raised up either. And if Christ is not alive... You are still lost in your sins, and your faith is a fantasy. And it would also mean that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, then we deserve to be pitied more than all the others. Could just leave it there, couldn't I? could just leave it there, but I'm not going to. The Bible is clear that Jesus rose from the dead. It's it's very clear, isn't it? It's pretty explicit in those bit of scriptures we've just read, and you'll find it in the gospel text as well. The ramifications, if we truly believe that Jesus rose from the dead, if we truly believe it, are life-changing. I I can accord to how much my life was changed when I received Jesus into my heart and I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you that you saved me from my sins. My life radically changed. In one instance, I went from being somebody who was quite a hardcore gambler on the fruit machines to the next day never wanting to touch them and never touch them again. And in all sorts of ways, your life can be radically changed because we worship, we worship a living saviour. That's a good point for an amen. Yeah. Who gives us power to overcome sin and even death itself. Jesus' resurrection has the power to transform any life. But what if Jesus never rose from the dead? That's what Paul was trying to really get at. Is what if he never rose from the dead? Well, let's, let's think of some quick consequences from the scriptures we've just read to that thought. If Jesus had never risen from the dead, Paul says, all our preaching has been for nothing. In other words, we could be doing better things on a Sunday morning than listening to somebody ramble on about something. It's been from nothing, and our faith is useless. 
If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we are false witnesses who misrepresent God. We're liars then, aren't we? If he didn't rise from the dead, then we're liars because we're telling the world there's hope in something that doesn't exist. If Christ didn't rise bodily from the dead, then then the hope of our own future physical resurrection is lost. There's no hope for us beyond this. Once we're gone, we are... We're gone, aren't we? Forever perished. And if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we're still in our sins and we're living a fantasy. That's why I say to you, and that's why I always say this really when I get the opportunity, that in some ways, although the birth of Christ was very important, his death and resurrection, so much more so. Because it's his death and resurrection that gives our our faith validity and gives us hope. If Christ is risen, then our faith isn't in vain, isn't it? Is it? We're, we're We're not delusional. And we have a hope, we have a future hope in our own resurrection and in the resurrection of those that we love if they come to know Jesus. And we're no longer living in our sins. Family, the reason that we gather every single week is because our Christ has risen. He isn't dead. But maybe, I think, maybe even before we, we ask that question, whether Jesus rose from the dead, maybe we should consider this question first. Can we agree that Christ was at least buried? Can we agree that he was at least buried? Could somebody get me some water? Would that be okay, Stuart? Thank you. Can we agree he was at least buried? The Gospels written within at least 30 years of Jesus' life Uh, and his death, are the uh, earliest historical sources of the life of Christ. And and I've got to be honest with you, it isn't just me saying this as a believer. A lot of non-Bible believing, thank you, a lot of non-Bible believing scholars of historical documents also acknowledge that that is the case. And a lot more scholars of history that don't have an axe to grind with faith, you know, those that aren't purposely going out of their way to try and disprove it, those who are just good, unbiased as they possibly can scholars, they actually regard the New Testament as a genuine collection of historical documents upon which we can learn much from the time of Christ. Does that encourage you? It encourages me. I'm, you know, I'm quite intellectual in, some, in, in, a, in a lot of ways of my faith. And to know that people outside of my faith system believe these are historical documents actually fills me with, with thankfulness. You know, just thank you, Jesus, that, that, that these things are real. You didn't just make it up. With that in mind, then, when we read the Gospels, and that's the first four books of the New Testament, think... Think about this when you're reading it, that you're, you're reading actual history. You're reading history. Non-Bible-believing, haven't got an axe to grind scholars will tell you that you're reading history. Yes, there's probably a slant to it religious-wise, but you're reading history. Some things that actually happened. And, and, and that history tells us that Christ's body was taken by a member of the Sanhedrin. That's in Mark 15. A man named Joseph of Arimathea, uh, buried Jesus in a tomb. Anyone could have gone to the grave and seen it. 
Matthew 28, uh, verses, uh, verse 4 and 11 to 15 states clearly that soldiers were placed outside the tomb. And as a matter of fact, when Jesus rose from the dead, the soldiers were paid to conceal the, the, the truth of how it happened. Thus, the soldiers were told not to say that they were drunk or that the body was still inside. Instead, they were paid to say that the disciples took uh, the body of Jesus. If Christ's burial is, is historical, there's, there's an apologist called William Lane Craig. Anybody heard of William Lane Craig? Well, there's one brave soul. I, I like William Lane Craig, and, and if you want to know more about uh, good apology, good philosophy, go hunt down William Lane Craig. He, sa- he said this, It's a very short inference, that's like a reasonable jump to another conclusion, to the fact of the empty tomb. To claim that the body was stolen must mean that the body was missing. Literally anyone could have invalidated the disciples' claim by going and pointing to the tomb. They'd have had to have shoved the stone back first, grant you that. They could have looked and they'd gone, look, it's here. The disciples are bonkers. It's right there. I can see it. But the tomb was empty. Paul says in verses 4 and 8 to 8 of this 1 Corinthians 15 chapter that Jesus was seen by Peter. He was seen by the 12 apostles. And then 500 people at the same time. And then he appeared to James, the brother of Jesus, to the apostles and then to to Paul himself. Some people argue that those who saw Jesus were hallucinating. (laughs) But I think we can reject that outright. Because all those people would have had to have had the same hallucination over a number of days. Consistently all recording and saying and seeing the same thing. I think we can reject that. I think if it was an hallucination, then that's a greater miracle than the resurrection itself. Christ appeared to different people on separate occasions and all these people gave testimony to the fact that they had seen the risen Savior. If if this had not been true, then then anyone still living during that time could have just fact-checked and verified Paul's story because Paul tells us that many of the witnesses were still living. So they could have gone, Paul said this, is that true? And they'd have gone, no, don't be ridiculous. That's not true. But they didn't, did they? If Jesus rose from the dead, and if you're not already a believer, then let me just remind you that your life can be radically changed today. James, who in this translation of, of, of the Bible refers to him as Jacob, but in most translations is called James. He's one of Jesus' brothers. Jude is another brother of Jesus that's mentioned in Scripture. And he's one of the best examples of a changed life as a result of the resurrection of Jesus. Perhaps you're a skeptic. Perhaps you're, 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 sometimes, you're sometimes battling with doubts about stuff. Well, let me tell you, you've heard the evidence I've just said, but you're still not sure about this Jesus of Nazareth. Well, James was a skeptic too. He didn't believe Jesus said he was who he said he was. And you can read that in John chapter 7. But his life was radically changed after he realized who Jesus was. James was one of the people Jesus appeared to after he rose again from the dead in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 7. And the next thing you hear about James is that he's in the upper room with all the other disciples praying. He's gone from a doubter to a prayer. Prayer, prayer. 
praying person. And then we learn that James is in a close relationship with Peter. When Peter was miraculously released from prison, you can read that in scriptures, one of the first people he mentioned that should learn of the matter was James. In Galatians 2 verse 9, Paul is clear that the three people that are pillars of God's, God's grace, and those three people listed by, Peter are, by Paul are Peter, John, and James. It's also historically documented by ancient non-Christian historians that James went on to be the leader of the church at Jerusalem and would eventually die quite a horrific death uh, for his beliefs. What does this mean? Well, this means that the resurrection of Christ radically changed James's life. Why would he turn from critic to believer unless what happened was true? Why, would, why else would he die a horrible death if the whole thing were a sham? There's a Christian author. Let me, I hope you've heard of this guy. Philip Yancey. Okay, Philip, good. We're on slightly firmer ground. Right, Philip Yancey said this in one of his books. In a word... Jesus overwhelmed the witnesses' faith. Anyone who saw the resurrected Jesus lost the freedom of choice to believe or disbelieve. Jesus was now irrefutable. Even Jesus' brother James, always a holdout, capitulated after one of his appearances. Enough so that he became a leader of the church in Jerusalem and according to Josephus, that's one of those non-Christian historians, Josephus died as one of the early Christian martyrs. If you want to know what the book that comes from, it's the, it's the Jesus I never knew. So I'm going to tell you that this truth can change your life. It's changed my life. It's changed many of your lives. But it can continue to change our life. If, let me tell you, if you go to the tomb of Muhammad... That's of Islam fame. If you go to Muhammad, you'd find a body still in his grave. If you go to the tomb of Buddha, you'd find his ashes. If you were to go to the tomb of Joseph Smith, who formed the Mormons, you'd find a body. Today, if you go to Jesus' tomb in Jerusalem you wouldn't find anything. You wouldn't find anything. Why does it matter? Why does all that I've said matter? Because it's one thing for someone to say they're God, and it's another for someone to act on it and prove it. Jesus was either a liar, crazy, or he was who he said he was, to quote C.S. Lewis. Jesus claimed divinity, and he demonstrated it by raising himself up from the dead. So this is, my friends, my family, is the greatest miracle in history. And that's why we meet every week. We don't celebrate and worship a dead God. We don't celebrate and worship a lifeless prophet. We celebrate a risen Savior, Jesus Christ.
If you're a Christian today, Romans 6 verse 4 tells us that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of a new life. And Romans 8 verse 11 says, And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. You don't have to be a slave to your sin. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in each believer, allowing us to live victoriously over sin. Does this mean that we never sin again? Probably not. But we can come back to Jesus again and again and say, Lord, forgive me. Help me learn from what I've done. I repent and I move forward. We won't be perfect until we get to heaven. And in fact, I, w I would say, we're not just, let me say this. I wrote that sentence, but I don't, it's one of those things that we say. When we, we don't become believers just to get to heaven. And so I, don't, I, don't, I didn't give my life just to get to heaven. And you should never give that as a promise to somebody who's, who's searching and seeking for Jesus. It's about actually restoring what we have right here, right now. And actually about bringing heaven to earth. And that's what I mean by new heaven. Because it will look differently when those two, two dimensions of life are brought together in full. What we live right now as Bible-believing, Bible born-again Christians is we believe in a now and a not yet where we can have the power of heaven and we can see it through healings and signs and wonders and miracles. But there's going to be a day when heaven and earth are restored and we're together again. But while we're here, while we're here right now, living in the now and not yet, you don't have to be a slave to sin. Just submit to the Holy Spirit, to that resurrection power that is flowing in you and through you, and, and let that kick in. You don't have to be a slave to your lust. Don't have to be a slave to, to alcohol, to drugs, to adultery, to bitterness, to anger, or any such sin. I want to tell you that Christ, because of what he did nearly 2,000 years ago, gives you victory today. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Freedom Church. We'd love to get to know you better if you're not already connected with us. Find out more about us on social media. Just search Freedom Church Leads or email us at hello at myfreedom.church.